we're recording <laughs> yeah way better than last year's episode already <laughs> You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 248. And I'm your host, Lee Russell, joined by my lovely co-host, Lee Hardy. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And as always, we're joined by Angel, who likes to be a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> She's just sneaking over my shoulder, or over the, the laptop screen, just watching me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I imagine she missed you after your uh, Christmas break or whatever. Anyway, when you were away, so she did. Mm, so it is 2022. Happy New Year! Yeah, first episode of 2022, and that means we get to talk about our best first-time watches from 2021, and we're also going to talk about our worst. And I'm, I'm glad you actually threw that in there. So, uh, and, and also that you were a bit late getting into the recording, it gave me like an extra couple of minutes to scramble and go, Oh, what did I rate really poorly on my, uh, I thought we were supposed to do the best and worst of that's what we did last year. Did we? I, I don't even remember doing that episode last year. So I don't, well, even... just because there's no proof of it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you don't hit play uh, <laughs> or record. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I think we both, um, we're thinking in the same direction here. You had you said you have uh, twenty for your best of. I watched yeah. a lot of movies this year, mm-hmm. like between uh, both film classes and doing the podcast, and just like casual watches in general. Like I ended up watching so many more movies than I thought. Like yeah. when I sat down and started making my top ten, I was doing an honorary list, and the honorary list started getting really long. And then I counted, and I had nine, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to put too many. And then uh, I thought of a couple others. I'm like, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a top 20. And I have a couple of honoraries, too. Me, too. I've got uh, so four honoraries, 20 in my main list, and then we both have a uh, bottom 10. Yeah, I have a bottom 10. I only have two for my honorary. I threw a lot of my top 20, so. Okay. There's probably some that I forgot, too, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, and I think we're going to find that you and I probably have a lot of the same stuff on our, on our list uh, this year. I think so. Considering we watch so much stuff together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause we, yeah, we did. But mind you, a lot of the watches that we did together um, weren't for t- first time watches for you. Only had a, mm-hmm. a couple of them more. So. That's true. That's true. Uh, so we're going to take a really quick break and then we're just going to get right into our lists. So I don't know about you, Lee, but we got this, man. We got this by the ass. Yeah. We so got this by the ass. Mm-hmm. Two cheeks. You ungodly <laughs> warlock. 
Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history all popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. You ungodly warlock. going to get into our list here and uh i guess we should just go through our um our sort of honorable mentions first so uh and we'll just read off all of our honorable mentions in one go and then once we get to our list we'll sort of like take turns counting down our lists if that sounds good to you yeah that sounds fine all right so (laughs) no it's funny when i was listening to the the podcast promo the movie where she like puts her hand down the guy's throat. What was that movie called again? Just Before Dawn. Just Before Dawn. Okay, well, that's going to go on my honorary. Because um, <laughs> I totally forgot about that one. <laughs> so, I <thought laughs> so let's just throw it on there. Because, uh, yeah, that was that was a badass moment. I, I, I think the rest of the movie was kind of interesting. As in, I don't know how I felt about it. But that last moment was perfect. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Shout out to Court Psyops for uh, adding to uh, Lady Lee's list. I totally forgot that we watched that this year. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I do. I know. I know you're going to tell me this. I need to record and write down, and or not just just use your letterbox document. Yep. yep. What I watch because it make it so much easier. But me being so organized, I totally didn't do it. Yeah, you so, don't even have to. You know, you don't even have to write reviews or anything. It's it's just it's literally just a thing you can write down. I watch this. It's funny too because like I'm not bad at writing things either i just just forgetful <laughs> okay so right. am i starting you starting yeah i'll let you start okay i don't have very many mm-hmm. so my honorary list i have 
uh, well, I have the one we just mentioned. I also have um, Pan's Labyrinth. The mm-hmm. only reason I put it in the honorary is because um, it is a second time watch, but the first time I did not watch it like full focus. So that's kind of why I put it honorary because I felt like it shouldn't be technically on my list, but I do want to put it out there that it was an amazing movie. And right. this is the first time I watch it like full attention and really got to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And my second honorary is um, Chopping Mall because it was so <laughs> stupid that it could not be on my best list, but it could not be on my worst list because I very much enjoyed it. And also all movies are just Chopping Mall. So all movies are just Chopping Mall. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had a great laugh with that one. It was so bad. It was good. Uh, it was like a, a hate to love. No, love to hate. Hate to love. Either way. It was amazing. It was so bad. but that was probably when i think about it all the sort of like uh watch parties that we do of our friends uh that was hilarious yeah that that was that was probably the most fun we've had so far watching a movie with with yeah i enjoyed that one yeah yeah so i had to make it to the honorary only because i could not put it on a top because it does not deserve a top position but i definitely could put it on the bottom because it was it was quite the hilarious movie yeah that's fair um so i've got four on my honorary list here so i'll go to try to go through them fairly quickly here um the first one is called uh vi from 1967 this is a russian uh movie russian horror movie uh it's on shutter right now actually um And it's uh, basically a retelling a, of a Russian like folk tale slash ghost story. Um, it's about these this young monk who um, ends up getting like accosted by a witch and and kills her, only to discover that the witch was uh, the daughter of like this family that he was staying with overnight um and and then he gets locked in the crypt with her and uh things happen and there's a lot of like interesting practical special effects and stuff and he's kind of like trying to protect himself from her uh her basically her uh reanimated corpse every night to try to get up to to get him and he's got himself like protective religious symbols and stuff like that and and uh the witch is like summoning demons and shit like that to try to get him, And he's all, it's all in the confines of this crypt. Right. So it's like a very small space and he's kind of stuck in there with her. And uh, I thought it was very inventive and interesting. It's also kind of really funny too. Uh, very goofy. And it's just like, you don't see a lot of Russian cinema, especially from like 1967. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Next one I'm going to mention uh, is one directed by Fernando Baldi. It's called The Sicilian Connection from 1972. It's a movie starring Ben Gazzara. It's an Italian-made movie where it's about this uh, U.S. uh, mobster played by Gazzara going to uh, Europe and trying to set up a heroin distribution chain from Turkey back to the U.S., and he basically, and it's basically him just like pissing off the wrong people, making enemies, uh, romancing the lonely, uh, dissatisfied wives of all the uh, like old school mobsters in Europe that he's trying to make these deals with. And um, it's just got a great soundtrack too. And I thought it was uh, interesting enough to, uh, to put on my list. I liked it quite a bit. It's not great, but it's it's all right. Next one I'll mention is The Laughing Policeman from 1973. This has Walter Matthau and Bruce Dern in it. 
and it's uh, Walter Matthau playing a straight police detective character instead of more of a comedic role. They're just on on the trail of someone who, in the opening of the film, guns down a whole bus full of people with with a machine gun, and it's pretty graphic for its day. And I thought it was pretty decent, pretty decent police procedural. And the last one I'll mention for my honorable mentions is Malignant from 2021. This is uh, from James Wan, who's done like the Conjuring films and shit like that. And this is just this real goofy ass, ridiculous fucking throwback to like early 1990s horror films in a way where it was just a ridiculous premise. Uh, a lot of a lot of people actually didn't like Malignant. And there's just like a lot of people don't like James Wan because he kind of makes like big commercial horror and some people really push back against that. But like, it's obvious he got sort of the make the movie he wanted to make without too much studio interference this time out. And he just went balls to the wall and made this like really crazy, bizarre kind of slasher film slash psychological horror film. And uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. It did just goes batshit crazy by the end. The, the twist in it is absolutely fucking ridiculous, but uh, I totally enjoyed it. So I thought I would mention it. <laughs> hey, Leah here, guys. I uh, just wanted to throw one last minute addition to my honorable mentions. This was something I intended to put on my list, but totally blanked on it when I was putting my list together. Probably because I hadn't put it in my letterboxed yet. Just wanted to mention Mad Dog Morgan. Uh, Philip Mora, 1976. Yeah, 76. Um, recently did this on the episode of the Mustachioed Podcastio, uh, run by the excellent Daniel Segura, uh, along with my buddy Vaughn. And we had a good time with it. Uh, it was a great first time watch. I plan on watching it many, many times over. I really enjoyed it. And I'll probably end up enjoying it more as uh, things go along. But um, just Dennis Hopper in real life, getting drunk every day and high every day, shooting this movie in Australia about the notorious Australian Bushman uh, or robber, basically, criminal. Um, or not, not Bushman. Um, Bush Ranger? I can't... Bush Guide? I can't remember what the term is right offhand. I'm a little... Little tipsy, but um. Anyway, great movie, great performances. It's amazing that it managed to be so coherent and well done, considering just what a wreck Dennis Hopper was at this time. But his professionalism actually kind of shines through in it, and uh, holds the whole thing together. And he's surrounded by a bunch of great performers. Great performers. Um, you got uh, the recently deceased uh, David Gilpilly, or however you pronounce his last name, who's you know the Aborigine actor that most people recognize. If you if you see an Australian film with Aborigines in it, he's usually in there somewhere. He's that guy, and um, yeah, it's a really good, interesting biopic that actually sticks fairly close to history, at least the agreed upon history, and. Um, it's great. So check it out. Anyway, uh, cutting back into the regular episode uh, recording from blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Bye-bye. I will throw over to you first for your number 20 on your best Ooh, of. Oh, we're getting into this now. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> All right. So the first one I have uh, for my top my top twenty, my number twenty, my number mm-hmm. twenty, um, is Watch Out We're Mad, nineteen seventy four. Mm. Reason I put that on there, uh, it's a first time watch of that type of movie. So um, I know those actors have done like a bunch of movies, but it's the first time I've ever seen anything mm-hmm. um, with them. And I thought it was just a lot of goofy fun. Like it wasn't a movie that was taken very seriously. The plot line wasn't very serious at all. Um, the acting was kind of goofy, and I liked it. Like it was just a fun, feel good, over the top acting action movie. Like that race mm-hmm. scene is just the best thing ever. Like so <laughs> many people end up in accidents. I don't know how there was any racers left. Like it was just, and that balloon ridiculous fight. Like that was mm-hmm. just the fights were so grandiose and over the top. It made it such an entertaining visual experience. And because they knew it was ridiculous, they had the whole story based off that same ridiculousness. And I really loved it. Yeah, it's like a it's like a big live action cartoon. Like it's it's just very very goofy and, and fun and mm-hmm. yeah, but Spen- yeah, but Spencer and uh, Terrence Hill always good together. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that one. Um, next one, uh, I'll mention my my number twenty. Uh, this is Arctic from 2018. Uh, this is directed by Joe Penna and it's uh, starring Mads uh, Mikkelsen, and it's just a story of uh, it's just a survival story. It's, it's just a really gritty survival story of him crashing in the Arctic His plane crashes and he's there trying to survive. Uh, and it's basically just chronicling his day in and day out, trying to fucking survive. There's like at one point, a polar bear shows up and starts hunting around his camp. And, and it, eventually uh, there's another crash and he pulls a survivor out of that crash and uh and ironically it's it's uh i believe it's the search party looking for him um and he pulls the survivor out of that and has to get her to uh civilization so he decides to well, fuck it we got to get the hell out of here and make the trek and try to try to get out of here and uh i just found it really well done very very good stuff very very good <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so 19 mm-hmm uh, Psycho Gore Man, twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, yeah. I just again, it was just this stupid fun movie. Um, the girl was this uh, sadistic, crazy Mimi. weirdo that I loved, mm. and um, the story was just over the top, and everything about it, like it was, you know, it's one of those movies that could easily go south because mm-hmm. the, the story is just a little bit like far fetched, but they did it in such a a good way like it is from beginning to end this entertaining action movie with this ridiculous plot line and this hilarious like death robot <laughs> it's, just, it's absolutely wonderful like it's just uh, a really cool movie to watch it is um, definitely not a feel good movie <laughs> <laughs> opposite the other one this is like a uh, you shake your head at like what the fuck is going on <laughs> but that's why i loved it that's that's basically why i loved it i i thought it was so fucked up and so ridiculous and just it was a perfect amount of like cheesy and uh gore all at the same time <laughs> right on yeah uh next one i'll mention my 19 is They Remain from 2018. This is a horror movie directed by Philip uh, Gilat, and it's based on a short story by an author I really uh, admire uh, named uh, Laird Barron, 
who does sort of uh, cosmic horror films, you know, more existential outside forces fucking with people's lives kind of thing, things you can't understand. It's kind of a ghost movie, but also kind of a cosmic horror. It's it's about these researchers working for this um, very uh, strange company that uh, I guess monitors like uh, paranormal activity and stuff like that. And they go to the site of where this cult once uh, existed and they're like doing research there and they start seeing and hearing things go bump in the night and they start acting weird. And it seems like the very land itself is just like affecting them mentally and then fucking with them and they're hallucinating and shit. And I thought it was a pretty good adaptation of the actual original story it's very, very creepy. It doesn't give you easy explanations as to what's going on, which I always tend to like when in my horror movies. And uh, I thought it was worth uh, checking out. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 18, uh, uh, the next two actually um, are documentaries. So that's kind of why I wanted to put them on my honorary list. But uh, I had to watch them for my film class. And mm-hmm. both of them are very unique in a sense of documentary. Uh, the first one is a, a Tower, um, 2016. So this one is done in uh, animation form. Mm-hmm. So they do have at the end, they do have actual people from the event. Um, but the whole done, it, the whole thing is done in animation. And it also, uh, it does the gunshots throughout the uh, interviews that they have with people. So it just makes the whole process of them uh, reimagining the event itself with the animation and the oh, gunshots yeah. uh, insanely powerful. Like it is, uh, it's difficult to watch because it makes it feel very real, even though it's animation. That like, was I remember the, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. That was the, that was about the uh, Texas sniper. Yes. Thing, University right? yeah, of yeah. Texas sniper. Yeah. 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 Where he went on the tower and he shot, it was holding the campus hostage for 96 minutes. And 16 dead, three dozen wounded. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Anyways, the way they, because they had uh, one of the girls, one of the one of the women, she was the first victims, and uh, she, her whole story was done and it was animated. So when you're watching it, I think it was better that way than trying to reenact it. Because I find the reenacting of a lot of these things really cheesy and it just takes yeah. away from the feel. This with the audio they used. And the visuals that they used, I found incredibly powerful. Um, it was the first time I ever watched, well, I think it was the first time a documentary I've ever been done like that. And I thought they did it incredibly well. I think it's worth the watch. I think people should watch it if they're into documentaries. Um, yeah. Cool. My number 18 is Candyman from 2021. I haven't uh, seen that one yet. Mm. They, don't give too much details. <laughs> I, I'm not going to. Because, um, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. I like it so much that I, I really don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Don't go into it thinking it's a reboot or a remake, because it's not. It is actually a direct sequel to the first Candyman. Uh, it ignores the other sequels that turn the Candyman itself into just another slasher movie villain, because that's not what Candyman actually is and what it's about. We- we dissected Candyman in one of my papers. Yeah. And my, my prof did make a comment on it saying that he didn't even realize that was said in one of the articles. So mm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, this this is much more true to the spirit of what uh, the Candyman is actually supposed to be. 
uh, as as a sort of an entity in in the original film and the whole idea behind it. And it's very much true to that. Uh, but at the same time, like updating it for 2021. And then not, it not only updates it for 2021, but it actually goes into the past before the Candyman that's set in the 1990s and, and kind of shows you the progression of the legend and, and everything. And, and, and better fleshes out and explains exactly what Candyman is actually supposed to be. Um, and I thought it was really well done. And at the same time, it still does a good job of touching on the issues of like gentrification and slavery discrimination against blacks in general uh, that the original film did as well. Um, and uh, it's, it's just a, I think it's just kind of a good horror film too. There's some, there's some neat, neat stuff in it. So uh, yeah. I'm excited Candyman. to see it. Right. Uh, my number 19, uh, like I was saying, it's also a documentary again. 17 was- and you mean, right? 17 yes 17 yeah yay i can count um this one is also yeah this one's also a documentary this one's also kind of a unique documentary uh the act of killing 2012 oh yeah yeah this um both lee and i uh did this one for a podcast yeah we actually did this one for a podcast Mm -hmm. and it was hard to swallow like it was a very hard watch and i think that's the reason um i very much enjoyed it because it really spoke the truth there was no glamorizing any of this there was no hiding the truth there was no nothing like this was legit the actual people who did the crimes or i guess like the heroics mm-hmm. um in quotations uh their story it was their side it was their the side of listening to like the assholes of all the people who tried to kill the communists or people who think considered communists yeah uh so that one um my goodness was it ever it was i had to watch it in two sections because i found it it was too much for me uh but I thought it was so well done. I think it was brilliant. I would never watch it again because it would be too hard, but it was definitely an amazing, amazing, amazing documentary. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you put it on there because I totally blanked on it. I should have it on my list, but I don't. Um, And that movie, it just, it's so frank and matter of fact of how it just lets those monsters like talk about what they did because none of them, you know, they're they're not afraid of repercussions o- over what they did because they basically are the heroes of the current government that you know has been running the country ever since the revolution or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. you they, see how like heartless they are and mm-hmm. unempathetic. Like it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it is a hard fucking watch. It's, it it's yeah. Definitely, if someone, again, if someone's into documentaries and are into this kind of stuff, definitely watch it because, like, the perspective itself is entirely unique because they don't try and interview people who um, were victims or a part of it. They interview the actual people who did the murdering and the torturing. Like, they actually do it and they actually get to tell, like, their story and they actually get to tell the truthful side. It wasn't anything uh, washed away. Like, they didn't try to make them feel like they were bad people. They literally just went in with a non biased opinion and allowed these people to speak the truth and mm-hmm. i know it cannot be easy for uh anyone to do this kind of interviewing because i know as I, we were watching we wanted to like murder all of them yeah <laughs> but uh yeah if anybody like just to watch it oh my goodness is it ever mind-blowing like oh but yeah you got to be ready it is uh, and it is definitely hard to watch but it is a brilliantly done documentary yeah 
Uh, my number 17 from 1965, Repulsion, Roman Polanski, and mm. we watched this together for your class. Um, was it a first-time watch for you? Yeah, that was the first-time watch. What? I've actually seen that one before. Well, there you go. Yeah, I saw it, like, when I was 19, 20. I was a first, I, again, I watched it again uh, with more of a focus on it, so it was a lot better this time around. But, uh, yeah. I'm kind of yeah. excited that I was the first one to see that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a really, a really well done uh, art, almost, you know, kind of art house, artsy fartsy, but really well constructed sort of psychological thriller character study of a mentally unbalanced woman, just a lonely, mentally unbalanced woman becoming unhinged. And the you sort of see the interior of her mind basically uh, just, just laid out on the screen for you and uh, I thought it was brilliantly done you know say what you will about Polanski the person uh, Polanski the the artist is fucking brilliant so really really enjoyed that yeah, I I agree I think it's kind of a, a deep dive into mental health in such a artistic way mm -hmm. yeah um, okay so my number 16 I'm going in entirely opposite direction I didn't even realize now but uh, my number 16 is Dance, Charlie Dance, 1937. <laughs> uh, the reason I put it up there, uh, it was uh, it just a hilarious movie. It was this um, uh, uh, just a feel-good movie. That's the best way to explain it. Like It was just a, mm -hmm. a, an over-the-top... Uh, a comedic skit. It felt very like theater-esque as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I compared it to um, Abbott and Costello. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I compared it to one of those uh, just because of that style, that like how that feel, like how it felt. It was very mm -hmm. fast going, just super cute. Like it was just a super yeah. cute movie. Uh, I was, again, it's one of those things. The reason I put it on is because the first time I see a movie like it. So I very much enjoyed it. Uh, just kind of seeing a different style. Uh, again, this is like 1937, so older movie. They did what they did with what they had, and mm -hmm. I very much loved it. Right on. Uh, my number 16 is In the Earth from 2021, directed by Ben Wheatley. And uh, this is another cosmic horror. He famously kind of shot this during the pandemic, the, the, the initial waves of uh, COVID. And um, it's not really about a pandemic, even though it is set in a world where a pandemic has happened and has wiped out a significant amount of the population. But it's actually a folk horror movie about the possibility of the spirit of a dead sorcerer inhabiting the uh, sort of flora and fauna of the local area and uh, influencing things. Uh, in a much more naturalistic uh, nature kind of way. It's very creepy. It doesn't, again, it doesn't explain everything to you. And I thought it was great. Pretty creepy and great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We are up to, okay. So my number 15, mm -hmm. uh, the thing 1982. Oh yeah. I honestly feel like I've seen this movie before, um, but I'm going to throw it on there anyway. Yeah. I, I think I like fell asleep through it the first time I watched it. So technically mm -hmm. it's not a real first watch. Um, it's so creepy. <laughs> like it is so mm -hmm. creepy and it gives you that sense of like distrust 
So it's a whole uh, body invasion type movie, and or it is a body invasion movie, and I just think it's so good. Like it's just so well done. Um, how can you not like the movie? <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah. Like, <laughs> other than like the whole dog getting attacked, um, it's funny because yeah. I I was listening to one of our podcasts and I remember us wanting to do it for the podcast. So again, I'm not going to give too many details. But mm-hmm. um, absolutely, like definitely good, awesome, wicked. It's on my top twenty. That's all I'm going to tell you guys because I definitely want to go in more depth when we do the podcast. Right on. My number fifteen is Last Night in Soho from 2021, uh, directed by Edgar Wright. You, you got to kind of ignore the whole hype of it, saying, "Oh, it's incredibly uh, mind fucking, and it's it's going to confuse the hell out of you and all that shit." Actually, it's not. It's it's very straightforward in what it is. It it sort of spells out what it does, but it's just really well made. Looks really good, really color- colorful, um, just like visually striking, really well acted. And it's basically just a horror movie, sort of a, a ghost movie. But there's the element of sort of time travel in it in a way. But it's a very uh, unique version of time travel in the sense that uh, uh, the main character sort of is somewhat psychic and she falls asleep and sort of is transported back in time in her dreams uh, to witness events and, and the events in the past affect her, her present life as her sort of present life is unwinding. And uh, I thought it was really well done. I've seen the, um, the advertisement for it. I do realize mm-hmm. you just said to ignore all that, but I do want to see it. It looks very entertaining. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, I, I feel like people are going to be like, dissuaded from seeing it because so many people were saying oh it's it's so complex and it's such a mind fuck and it's like a david lynch movie it's really confusing and it's like it's not at all actually it's very straightforward about what's going on and i mean there is a mystery in it and everything but it's not so obtuse or anything that you 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 have to like be a, a film school expert to, to figure out what the director's doing and shit. And he's actually telling a very simple story, just in a unique way. And so it works like that. So my number 14, mm-hmm. the fly 1986. Mm. I think this was kind of interesting because this is one of the ones that I did for my class for a film class. And we actually got to compare it to articles that we read mm-hmm. or sorry, articles that I read. And the one that we both found interesting was the one where they compared it to AIDS and how we found that was a little bit ridiculous. But mm-hmm. we came out to the theory of uh, comparing it to addiction. Yeah. So someone who finds something that they're uh, very much into and um, having someone you care about being concerned about it, but you like the person just appreciating so much the positive feeling they get from it and not mm-hmm. wanting to get it fixed to the point where they're no longer able to do anything about it. And the person like a loved one ends up running away. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I really hated was <laughs> the abortion thing where it's like, are you sure? Are you mm-hmm. sure? <laughs> like, I really, really hated that. But other than that, I thought the movie was uh, incredibly well done. Uh, the fly was so disgusting. Yeah. Uh, the actual costuming, all that stuff. Oh my God. Like, that was repulsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really uh, felt for uh, Gina Davis. Like, it was, yeah. I think from beginning to end, I was entirely captivated. The thing that always gets me is when his fingernails start coming off. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. 
I'm eating or anything. Whatever. Uh, just, just think of them as little mushrooms. <laughs> Come on, you gotta make that comparison. You know what? No, because they don't look like mushrooms. So no. You can't if Fuck you think you. think about it hard enough. Maybe you can get it to go. No, what's your fifteen? What's your fifteen? I did my 15. I'm on my 14 now. What's your 14? Uh, the Last Duel from 2021. This is a Ridley Scott movie. Big epic movie about a duel that was historically fought in France between two real pieces of shit. And then there's a woman sort of trapped in between these two pieces of shit. Uh, typical, uh, you know, woman doesn't have much agency back in the day, even if she's royalty. Um, so... It's, it, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, story of Rashomon. It's a it's a Japanese story. Uh, famous movie was made based on one of the stories. Well, one of the stories in the book Rashomon, anyway, um, about a, a murder case and the sort of judge puts all the different parties on trial, and all of them have a slightly different recollection of the events, and you and you're never really told what the actual truth is. So this movie kind of does that a little bit in, in that it, it gives you the perspective of all the main characters in the film, but it clearly at the end shows you who you should be siding with <laughs> and, and hint here. It's not the two dudes. So I thought it was, even though it was kind of over long, it was well worth getting to the end. I thought, I thought it was pretty well done. Uh, good stuff. Cool. <laughs> just laughing <laughs> just when you said like it's not the two dudes <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not it's not uh matt damon or um <laughs> what's his face from the uh, star wars uh i always forget the fucking guy's fit the fucking guy's name adam driver oh okay yeah there's a lot of people in Star Wars. I was like, what? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my list, mm-hmm. I find that there's a lot of things that could go one way or the other. Like I'm kind of reading them now and I'm like, oh, this could go up higher. This could go up lower. But realistically, a lot of these from like, I would say top 18 to top four are very close together. They're just all kind of uniquely in their position. They just mm-hmm. kind of made a general top 20 and versus like, this is the order of, um, anyways, uh, my number 13 is, uh, dogs don't wear pants 2019. Mm. So fucking good. Mm-hmm. It was such a fucking good movie. Uh, it took on a, a very taboo topic and it took it on in a very insane way, which in the end you end up rooting for both the people. Cause at first mm-hmm. you kind of hate both of them yeah. in some way especially like the dad or the guy because like he's a shitty dad and he's being mm-hmm. shitty entirely and uh you think that he's doing everything because he lost his wife but then you realize at the end it's not because he lost his wife it's because he's just kind of hiding his kink mm-hmm. and uh he kind of has this like self-discovery of his kink and she kind of discovers her um need to like kind of want more like, mm-hmm. just has this wants kind of feel something because you can tell she's just kind of emotionless yeah uh so i think it was just such a beautiful movie it <laughs> was just the ending it, uh i loved it It was very um very non-exploitive of the bdsm stuff like it was very like 
strangely sweet and sensitive in the way hmm. it, it did it and like it's full of fetish material but it's not showy about it at all like it, it's it's taking it very matter of fact and and yeah the the honestly the only thing i wish we, we got in touch more of was the uh the daughter in her relationship with the with the dad because yeah, especially she, after because mm-hmm, she has cause she has that really great moment uh where she's playing her band's playing or whatever right at the school and her dad was supposed to be there and she she gets so frustrated that she just starts smashing the fucking drums super hard because he's not in the audience and i I thought that was pretty good shit i thought it was kind of a it really showed the lack of um attention parents give to kids in Mm -hmm. general never mind for like sexual reasons yeah so it was a very Uh, beautiful movie it was um something that when you first start watching it, you do not expect the end. Like it is entirely different than when you expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so my number 13 is some like it hot from 1959. Directed no by Billy Wilder. Yeah. Uh, we watched this together uh, on a date night and uh, just a really fun comedy with guys dressing in drag and <laughs> just really great comedic timing and a, a fun story. Didn't need the gangsters at the end. They didn't need to show up again. Once they got to the, uh, once they ran from the gangsters and uh, were doing their thing, like I was just more focused on that than anything else. I was like, oh, this is good enough. You don't need those gangsters at the end there. That's that's fine. Uh, okay, but that last end, that, that that final line, like, makes the movie. <laughs> yeah, but uh, really, really enjoyable, and it was a it was a fun date movie, especially uh, and funny, and uh, yeah. It's such, a, I love it. It's such a goofy movie, and the amount of quips that they make. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like, oh my god! It's a mild minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, oh man, I'm like opposite direction now. So um, my number twelve is uh, Beast of War. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, again, I think it's one of those movies that speaks uh it kind of shows like another side of what we usually see with like, a lot of war movies mm-hmm. especially like with the celebration like they tend to always celebrate the winners yeah and this kind of took a different turn where it didn't really celebrate it showed the shitty side of them uh and that's kind of what i enjoyed so, mm-hmm. usually don't get a movie where it's their perspective of like the the Russian tank crew that's part of the invasion force of Afghanistan and, and the sort of internal rebellion between the one guy and then the rest of the, the tank crew and the tank commander and uh, him siding and in with the, the actual uh, Afghani people and learning about their struggles and, and the divisions in their cultures too when it comes to the war how some of them are like fighting the war for like fame and glory and others are just fighting to survive and yeah mm. just uh really good stuff. at the beginning with the tank mm-hmm. oh my goodness holy crap like talk about oh god Ugh. that is a level of torture that i would never even dream of mm. yeah it is it is pretty goddamn brutal it's it's uh and it's, it's brutal on both sides by the end of it. It's like the, the way they hound that tank down too, and, and, and sort of chip away at it as, as they're, as they're trying to make their escape. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, it shows the brutality of, of the war. Like it just, 
Mm-hmm. It speaks a lot of truth. Yeah. Uh, my next one, Stepford Wives from 1975 by Brian Forbes. Uh, this was another uh, date night movie. And uh, it was just one of those ones I'd never gotten around to. And you suggested it. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's fucking do that. I've never really watched it. So I've, I've seen like versions of it. I saw the remake, I think, in the 2000s or whatever, but I'd never seen the original. So uh, and it, it's far superior <laughs> and creepy as shit and still has a lot of relevant points today. And as oh far as, yeah. So, okay. I'm pretty stoked that your last two movies were two of my recommendations. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel pretty good. But yeah, Stafford wise, brilliantly done movie. I remember watching it uh, when I was younger and I never forgot it. Like absolutely never forgot it, especially being a female, like, uh, and also kind of recognizing those behaviors as I've gotten older, I recognize those behaviors while I date so many guys that say, Oh, you're the perfect girl. But <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so in love with you, Lee. But only if you did this, only if you did that, it's like, okay, so you like how I look, but you don't like who I am. But yeah. You just want to change me entirely. And that's basically what Stepford wives is. It's just a perfect explanation of so many women, strong women who, um, are not appreciated for their strength. They men desire their um, submissive, which they're not. Okay, number eleven. Uh, this was another date night movie, uh, Black Sunday, nineteen sixty. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Um, I think the biggest thing I appreciate of this movie was that it's from nineteen sixty, but visually it was so nice to watch. Mm-hmm. Like even at the end, the transformation. We were both kind of questioning how, like, what technique they used because yeah, the yeah. transformation of like her aging was friggin' flawless. Like, I've seen cheeser transformations done now in current technology with then uh, just done so beautifully. Like, I guess it does help because it was black and white. Yeah. But who gives a fuck? Like, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the acting. I enjoyed the whole movie. Like, I thought it was a really good movie from beginning to end. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, my number 11 is also a Mario Bava film. Uh, that I saw for the first time this year. Uh, The Whip and the Body from 1963. Uh, This is one of his color films, and it's uh, basically a gothic horror, but uh, it's got some pretty, I'd I'd say, risque for for its time, like uh, S&M themes in it. It it, it involves a ghost, well, possibly a ghost, uh, and it's very much about repressed uh sexual desires uh the female lead in it uh has some very uh kinky likes to get uh strapped and beaten (laughs) with a whip kind of thing um that kind of movie (laughs) yeah that's why i don't want to that's why i want to skirt around a little bit and not spoil too much in case you want to watch it um i totally want to watch it but she just has a title i'm like if this title is exactly how it sounds I want to see it. It's it's not it's not a super like graphic movie, but it's very. Um, I'd, I'd say it's kind of pretty subversive for 1963 for for a horror movie that has like S and M themes and takes like the gothic horror movie and, and does something different with it. Uh, and I really really enjoyed it. I want to see it. All right, um, my number ten. Mm-hmm. Getting to the top ten now. Singing in the Rain, 1952. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
it's a freaking cute movie. Uh, it's just this adorable, amazing movie. And I really loved how they showed the transition between uh, silent films to uh, speaking. Because mm-hmm. that is a huge change. Like it, It's one of those um, like drastic changes because the acting you had to do for silent films is completely different than for the acting yep. that you had to do for actual uh, sound films or voice films. Sound films? Voice talkies. Films? Talkies. 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 Yeah. Yeah, because just the reactions and stuff are so much more subtle uh, in talkies versus mm-hmm. silent, and the same with like the um, the mouth movement and everything. And it's uh, again body placement too. Like you tend to always uh, when you're acting doesn't matter, but back then with the whole technology of finding a mic, you had to hide the mic and you had to find a way to get the sound and you had to record the sound and the record played as like the movie played and if something mm-hmm. that happened went wrong with that then the whole movie went south um so yeah it was just um i just thought it was a really cool backstage view because they just showed you a lot of the backstage of like making films back then mm-hmm. and uh a kind of cute story of talking about how movies went from talk or silent to sound yeah yeah, it's it's really good and it's just super entertaining too. Like in uh it's 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 funny, it's super entertaining, it's got great performances, it it's a, it's justifiably a, yeah, it's, it's justifiably a classic for, for reasons. Um my number ten, don't have to talk too much about it because uh, you already mentioned it. Uh, dogs don't wear pants from twenty nineteen. So uh, good fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I uh, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with it. I didn't know what I was. It's like, what is she getting me into here that we're watching? And then, then we watched it. And it was great. So yeah, it was a recommendation from one of my coworkers actually. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll have to thank her. Um, number nine. May 2002. Mm-hmm. I watched this for to write my essay. Um, I wanted to focus on mental health. And you made the recommendation when I said I showed like the list that I had mm-hmm. and I kind of picked the two movies. What a fucked up movie. Yeah. Like, seriously, what a fucked up movie. I think the reason I enjoyed it so much was um, there wasn't a lot to it. Like, there wasn't a lot of like, there wasn't a crazy amount of characters it wasn't anything overdone like it's very simple mm-hmm. even the settings were very simple and the backgrounds were very simple but the storyline holy fuck like it was just this perfect example of someone's obsession when like someone's obsession becomes uh, a mental health problem like mm-hmm. it just goes to that extreme of when someone who's not helped or ignored or just pass on by eventually just hits a breaking point yeah. Um, and I think it was just beautifully done. Like it just showed that snapping point of uh, just wanting to feel pretty and wanting to feel like everybody else and just wanting to have friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obs- part of it is uh, obsessing over imperfections and wanting to have like wanting to build like the perfect person to pair herself with. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. Really good, really good, really disturbing shit too, but, but really good. Yeah. Um, next for me, my number nine, this is uh, Sitting Target from 1972, directed by Douglas Hickox. The stars Oliver Reed as this just totally unlikable, murderous 
piece of shit who breaks out of prison in order to kill his uh, wife when he discovers that uh, she did not remain faithful to him while he was in prison. Um, and so his, his whole quest is to find her and kill her. And there's a, there's a couple twists and turns in this too. And it strangely starts to make you like Oliver Reed just because he's such a great actor that you can't help but kind of root for him, even though he's an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> um, and it's just thoroughly entertaining and pulls no punches. And uh, I thought it was a good little piece of uh, 1970s uh, crime film. I love Oliver Reed. Mm. He's, oh my God, everything I've seen him in, I just thought he was brilliant. I told you I might die about him, right? Oh, yeah, I did tell you that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, okay, back to the list. All right, so my next one is uh, the, the movie I had to watch for uh, my paper, Dementia, mm-hmm. 1955. Um, how can you not love that movie? It was such a unique take on, especially back then, on um, uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was um, such a creative outlook like an artistic point of view of what happens in a person's mind when their uh mental health is um taken over by um just past traumas Mm -hmm. and it's it's so cool like it's so visually cool to watch like it's i I watched it twice actually um just to because the first time i watched it I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Didn't realize it. And I felt like I missed a lot. So I decided mm-hmm. to watch it again uh, the next day to kind of get more detail. And my goodness, like they went in depth. Like they did everything of like the treatment, how men treat her. The whole movie, mm-hmm. they had that. And you could see it. And um, she kind of had that same thing as her mom, who was like this very beautiful woman, kind of got what she wanted. But then I eventually got murdered by the husband, obviously. Yeah. But, oh, my God. Like, it's just... I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just such a good movie. It's, it was so creepy. It was so well done. Uh, music was fantastic. The mm-hmm. acting was brilliant. Um, everything. Everything. Just so freaking good. Yeah, and it's all basically pretty much a silent film, too. So, it's like... Except for laughter. That's literally yeah. the only thing is laughter. Yeah, all, all, she ever, all we ever really hear is laughter, and that's kind of like what she's hearing. Yeah, ex- excellent film. My next one, my number eight, is Cisco Pike from 1972, directed by Bill L. Norton. Uh, this is uh, Chris Christopherson's first uh, big starring role. Uh, he's alongside Gene Hackman here. Chris Christopherson's this uh, sort of washed-up uh, folk musician who got put in jail for drug charges. He's just getting out of jail. And Gene Hackman is this dirty cop who has uh, acquired a large amount of uh, marijuana somehow and wants and desperately needs to get Chris Christopherson to sell it for him within a weekend. And it's, it seems like it should be this like really tense uh, neo-noir where Chris Christopherson's like always looking over his shoulder and desperate to uh, get this deal done. But it's actually a very kind of laid back hangout movie where he just sort of walks around town uh, hooking up with old contacts and, and trying to sell the drugs every once in a while, Gene Hackman shows up and threatens them and shit. But for the most part, it's just Chris Christopherson trying to like get his life back together. And uh, it's just a kind of a cool little time capsule movie. It's, it's got a, a version of LA that doesn't exist anymore, basically. So you, you see all the nightlife and shit from 1972 LA. And um, it's just really done. 
Well, uh, it's really done. It's, it's really, really done. well done. It's really done. <laughs> they did it. They like finished it. It's really done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my number seven, mm-hmm. <laughs> the cabin of Dr. Uh, Caligari. Yeah. 1920. Um, I've already talked about this on the podcast a couple times, mm-hmm. but all I have to say is how brilliant the whole movie is because uh, the space that they had was limited and the budget they had was extremely limited and they made this uh, visually amazing movie. Like, first of all, it was silent. So there couldn't be any sounds of trying to kind of get the idea of the size mm-hmm. of anything. Yeah. And um, secondly, it was black and white. So the use of yellow and blue was incredibly clever for like the day and night or dark and mm-hmm. light. And then um, the background, uh, how they took such a small space and made it look like it was so much bigger. Uh, Incredibly fucking brilliant. And then also because they knew uh, it was never going to look real, they had this whole dream-esque feel to it. So everything was all awkward angled or very wide or big or whatever. It was just visually looked like you were in a dream. And I mm-hmm. think that was perfect because instead of trying to make it look real, it, I found it would have made it look really cheesy versus this. They just went with like, let's just make it look artistic. Let's just make it look dreamish. Let's just make it look like um, uh, fan- like a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Such a smart move. Even because Dr. Kalargi's room is literally a cardboard door <laughs> and you allow yourself to suspend disbelief because everything else is just so beautiful about it. Like you can literally see the door is just cardboard. And you can yeah. see the room is just a room, a cardboard box, basically, with one bed. Yeah. But again, because it was just so well done, the story was nice, and uh, everything kind of the story flowed through really nicely, you believed it. You allowed yourself to suspend disbelief, even mm-hmm. now, even a day like this. Like, did I find it scary? No, because I'm desensitized to all that shit. But did I find it amazingly clever? Yes. Did I enjoy watching it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, my number seven, another date night movie, Muppets Take Manhattan from 1984. No way! By Frank Oz. Yeah, that's amazing. I was excited. I was, uh, I was definitely skeptical when you suggested, well, let's watch a Muppets movie. I'd never watched a Muppets movie, so I like how you say it to you, like Muppets movie. It's so <laughs> disgusting. I was thinking I was going to have a hard time getting into it because you got all these people acting alongside Muppets like they're real things that they're talking to and it's not we weird at all. They are real. Mm, okay. Uh, but uh, no, just incredibly charming and entertaining and good musical numbers. And it's got a real heart to it. It was just a lot of fun. And uh, then we went on and watched uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. When did, it was what, what night did we watch that? It was like Christmas, Christmas day, but really late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, yeah, we're probably going to watch more Muppets movies at some point. <laughs> I, I got them uh, into the Muppet movie. Yeah. No, I, I really I really enjoyed it. It's just incredibly well-made and, and charming and sweet. And So there you go. That's a feel-good movie. That's mm-hmm. like a, a warm-your-heart movie. All right. Number six, City of God, 2002. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... The storyline alone was really compelling, but what really intrigued me about this or about this movie was the camera work, because uh, yeah, the use of close-ups, the use of like super close-ups, all that stuff, like the intro scene with the chicken, 
Oof. is this Oof. chaotic feel. Like, you know the movie is going to be insane because they start you off with this chicken and you feel so bad for the chicken. Like, it starts running away and you're like, go chicken, go run away. Because <laughs> everything around is just, there's like chaos going on and there's so much sound and there's the camera going around in circles, like just following this chicken and it's so intense. Like, the story is just about this chicken right at the beginning. <laughs> And that's just basically what the movie was. Like, I, they captivated you at the beginning with a chicken, out of all things, to kind of, like, foreshadow the rest of the chaos that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And throughout the movie, I found just how they used the camera work and how they visually um, edited the movie was insanely brilliant. Like, it was just so visually beautiful to watch and so, like, captivating. The whole time you were in the story, like, you were visually, like, wanting to watch because it just caught your eye. Like it was like looking at a delicious meal. Like you just couldn't stop looking at it. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, it takes you into like this incredibly sad, brutal world. Yes. Where, it does. where, you know, poor, poor kids are exploited into, into the gang life. And it's. Holy yeah. crap. Holy crap. Like that one part with like, I can't remember how old the kid was eight. Yeah. Something like that. Eight or 10. And they had the gun against the kid's head. Mm-hmm. And they like shot them all. Yeah. Yep. Holy fuck. Like that part. Ugh. But yeah, that's what I was saying. The story itself is captivating alone. But the editing and the camera work and the visual aspect of this movie just did it such justice. Like the story was so well represented. Yeah. Um brilliant film. Hard hard one to sum up on a on a little blurb in a mm-hmm. in a best of list. So yeah, no, uh uh that it's been a while since I've seen that one, but it, it's still, it does stick with you. It's a pretty, we could probably pretty, do it for a podcast one day. Yeah, we good... probably should. Yeah. Um, next one I'll mention number six, another one we watched together, uh, multiple maniacs from 1970 by John Walters. Um, just great, great, trashy fucking fun. Um, oh, fuck. I forgot we watched that. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> first go around of uh, John Waters with his troop of crazy characters and uh, just doing outlandish transgressive shit that uh, is really, really funny and really shocking and still kind of holds up to this day in a lot of ways. Uh, and yeah, it was just thoroughly entertaining. So uh, I had to put it on the list. It was, it was really, really good. Had I remembered, I, feel- I would have put my list. Mm-hmm. I, I keep feel like I'm, I, I keep feeling like I, I, I say really, really good a lot on this show. <laughs> well, we're all on our, our top 20 best. So mm. we're going to say really, really good a lot. And we're going to repeat on a lot of words because uh, what I get again, it's just a short blurb. So yeah. apologies to everybody, but this is like a summary in the shortest way possible on our feelings of it, not details of the movie itself. This is a really, so. really good show. Yeah. A really, really good show. Anyways, uh, my number five, entering mm-hmm. top five, uh, my mm-hmm. number five is uh, Parasite 2019. Oh, yeah. Um, I <clears throat> I think the story um, really got you because you found people who were trying to make it and uh, they ended up finding a way into this rich people's home, like Parasites, and kind of taking over their family. Like just the the housekeeper and the driver and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and then they find a snag that happens where they realize <laughs> someone's living in the basement, 
Um, and then they end up in a situation where their house is entirely destroyed. Um, yep. And then they end up in the situation where they get caught and, or sorry, it doesn't get caught, but ends up like uh, a dilemma ends up happening where someone ends up dying because of the people living downstairs. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then the anger of how the rich people make them feel where it causes the guy to murder the husband, the the rich husband. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the quickest summary I could give, but it's just such a intricate, amazing story. Like, I think that story unfolded so beautifully well. Like, it started off with thinking that, oh, cool, they made it. Oh, shit, there's something that happened. Oh, shit, there's something that's again. Oh, shit, like, well, what's going on now? And even the end... I think is just, oh, like it, it rips your heart apart. Cause as much as like they're shitty people for doing what they did, mm-hmm. the rich people are also insanely shitty people too. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like they're all shitty people. It's just the rich people are like so much worse because they basically create people like this, like by the way they treat them. Like yeah. it's, oh, anyways, a crazy good movie. Yeah. Uh, again, another one that's like, feels like, oh, we should do a podcast on it at some point so we can actually talk about it in depth and not just like sit here and tell you it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> a lot of these are for my film class too, like City of God, mm-hmm. film class, Parasite. Um, Dementia on May, I watched willingly, but for a paper. Singing in the Rain, Tower, mm-hmm. The Act of Killing, The Fly. I think that was it. But yeah, like a lot of them are for my film class. So that's why I put so many on because like my prof picked some really good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Um, my number five is Charlie Varick from 1973, directed by Don Siegel. This is another Walter Matthau film. So I was on a sort of a little Walter, Walter Matthau <laughs> kick. Uh, but this is really, really good where he plays this guy who sort of turns to crime uh, because his... Uh, the industry he's in as a crop duster is starting to go a little stale. Um, And so he masterminds his bank robbery with a bunch of 'er ne'er-do-wells and his wife. Uh, His wife unfortunately gets killed during the opening robbery. And so he's basically just got to find a way to escape with the money. And it turns out the money they stole from a bank was mob money. So now the mob is after him. And uh, it just so happens that Charlie Varick is an incredibly calm, rational guy who makes very logical decisions. And it's just kind of a joy to see him outwit all these criminals throughout the whole movie. Like you you never kind of like really, doubt he's going to get away with it but you want to watch him get away with it at the same time even though you don't necessarily feel like he's in in all that much danger and uh it's a really entertaining film that sounds entertaining Mm. all right number four another movie that i did for class uh hereditary Mm -hmm. 2018 again i feel like this is another movie i have to do for the podcast because Again, the story is just, what can I say? It's fucking brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. Tony Collette, I've seen her in so many different movies, and I always think she's amazing. I just love her. I think mm-hmm. she's just fucking brilliant as an actress. Fucking love her. That's it. 
you know what? That's I'm going to leave that at that. <laughs> I know people have seen it. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, she makes the movie. Like you said, that scream. That's mm, it. Yeah, when she. That's, no, I didn't she... have to give details. <laughs> to give details. <laughs> We're going to do a podcast on this. I want to go into like proper detail. That's why I'm saying like, fuck it. Tony Collette. End of that. That is my, <laughs> my top four hereditary Tony Collette. It was funny that you didn't know she was Australian. I didn't. Okay. I didn't know she was Australian um, until I watched. Um, <sighs> Connie and Carla were in her shoes. Either way, it was one of the extras on a DVD. Mm-hmm. Connie and Carla. So I watched that back in like 2010, 2012. So I learned a while ago, Lee, but uh, I watched an interview with her. And I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> She's not American? That accent, I would have never guessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number four is Siege from 1983, directed by Paul Donovan. And this was shot here in Nova Scotia, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, to be exact. And it's set during a historic uh, event in, in Halifax where there was a police strike in 1981-ish around there. Um, and basically, it's just the setup for the whole situation where this group of fascists decide to police the city themselves while the police are on strike and they attack a gay club and kill almost everybody in it, except for one person who escapes into this apartment building. And then uh, the people who live in the apartment building decide to help defend uh, this victim against uh, these, these fascist attackers who didn't sort of like lay siege to the apartment building. And uh, we did do an episode on, on it on the podcast uh, this year. Uh, me and Vaughn did. And uh, I missed it. I'm sad I did. Mm, but uh, it's a great film. It was a great little kind of rediscovery because the film had been kind of forgotten for a long time until it came out in DVD this year and Blu-ray this year. Uh, so, yeah, worth checking out. Really good piece of Canadian-made exploitation action film, but it's got good suspense to it. It's it's not overblown and... and um, kind of unbelievable like it, it feels like a real realistic kind of situation that could happen and, and the way it's done is very tense so i liked it all right mm-hmm. number three so this is like a true top three these are like actually versus the rest from mm-hmm. the bottom could vary uh, <laughs> that's, sort of, that's honestly that's sort of how my list kind of went as well like lo- looking up at like my top or you know like number 20 to like number seven or something like that. I could, mm-hmm. I could have rearranged any of these anyway. Pretty I much. said my number four to my number 18. I find very big time. Like I knew my bottom two for the 20 because they were like awesome, but mm-hmm. they were like very ridiculous, but the rest were kind of brilliant in their own way. Okay. Sorry. Back to it. Uh, number three, no time to die. Twenty one. Mm. We watched in theaters together. We did a podcast about it. Uh, so I don't need to say much about it. You already know if you've seen the podcast, you know my feelings for this movie. Um, there's so much girl power in this movie. Fucking love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being like this, the the girl that I was watching all the action movies and having no actual female um, protagonists that were fucking badass. This movie had them all. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, it was, I loved it. I loved it from beginning to end. Uh, well, end was hard to watch, but I loved it from beginning to almost end. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, it was a, a very good way to end uh, Daniel Craig's career as James Bond. Yeah, I think it was beautifully done. And I think it was the time to do it because I think Daniel Craig really portrayed James Bond as best James Bond could. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge Pierce Brosnan fan and I loved Roger Moore. Uh, but I found Daniel Craig to be like the definition of James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's my favorite James Bond. So yeah, uh, that, that was fun. Like I, I would have, I probably could have stuck that on like my uh, honorable mentions uh, list. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So yeah, it's it's good stuff. Uh, my number three from 2020, Psycho Goreman. Um, <laughs> yeah, loved it a lot. Had just totally enjoyed. It. I've I've seen it several times now. I, I I love it. It's just such a like creative blend of 1980s nostalgia fueled imagery like cartoon logic, practical effects out the yin yang with all these gooey prosthetics and gruesome violence and um, this really dark sense of humor to it. And it's, it's, it's just very brilliantly done. And it's like, we get to learn that an evil alien overlord is no match for a sociopathic young girl, you know, on, on a power trip kind of. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's fucking great. And it, it's mm-hmm. one of the, most fun times I had this year watching a movie. So I agree. That was a, a good fucking movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number two. So you're going to be surprised. Um, oh, really? Yeah. My number two is uh promising young woman. Ooh. It did not okay. make my number one. There was one better. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, we already talked about this one. We already had a podcast about mm-hmm. it. Um, it was such a different take on a rape revenge movie. It was not the victim. It was the victim's friend. Mm-hmm. And it really showed you uh, the effect, the long lasting effect it has on people. Yeah. Uh, it just, it wasn't just a, like, you know how people try to like pass it off and be like, well, you know, <laughs> you know, he's a really good person. Oh, you know, he's educated. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's got a career now. It was just such a, a reality. Like watching that is literally what every female or every victim of sexual assault has ever heard. Anytime they try to report it, they're like, well, you know, you are going to ruin this person's life if you report them for the rape that they did to you. Mm-hmm. Like That's literally what they tell you. Yeah. That is any victim you talk to and that's not someone who's like a known rapist, they're going to be like, "Well, you know, he's he's got a, a future ahead of him. She's got a future ahead of her. Uh if you report it, um anyways, that literally like that whole scenario, everything you heard, everything that was talked about, everything like the the people who are supposed to be there to help you mm-hmm. just uh, literally are trying to convince you that it's technically your fault. Um, oh, you technically fucked up. Oh, like anything. Anyways, um, I hold it like very personally too. Like I'm, I'm a, a sexual assault victim and uh, I dealt with it. I dealt with the cops that uh, did not take my case seriously. They all called me a liar um, mm-hmm. or not a liar. They said it was my fault. Yeah. Uh, they victim shamed me and victim blamed me. 
And uh, I got the same thing. I got the, well, you know, he's young. He's got potential in life. Like, are you sure you want to do this to him? Like, I remember yeah. here, like this, all the shit that I heard. So this movie just, it was so relieving to finally fucking hear the truth. Like, it, I, I guarantee you, like a lot of the people who love this fucking movie were a lot of victims because it was so goddamn relieving to finally hear people actually tell people the reality of the situation when you try to like fucking report it. Mm, yeah. And the reality of quote unquote, nice guys or, you know, Boys are just being boys, you know, that kind of bullshit. Yeah, uh, or you all, you did drink. Oh, I did. Yeah, you did. Sober. Yeah, you, you left yourself drink. open to it. You know, you, you were inviting it, you know, basically. Yeah, you know. that's that's what I got. Yeah. I was like sober all night. Well, you drank. Well, I gave my drink to a friend. Well, you drank. You were drunk. You were drunk the whole time. I wasn't mm. drunk. Well, you drank. I had one drink. I'm sorry. <laughs> like it's fucked. That's that's you literally like remember the whole cringe when you're listening to the conversation and the the teacher, the prof is making or sorry, the dean's making all excuses as to like why it happened and making mm-hmm. excuses for him. That's basically what I got from a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Anyways, that's the reason why it's my number two. Um I hold it near and dear. I think it's a very fucking well done rape revenge movie. Um yeah. Right on. Uh, my number two is The Astrologer from 1975, directed by Craig Dinney. Now, this is, I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone this is a good movie by any sort of standard metrics because it's an absolute failure in a lot of ways because it's this very um, obtuse vanity project from this director who also wrote and starred in it, um, who is just, he's this vacuum of personality and screen presence yet he's somehow also like massively smug like a motherfucker like he mugs for the camera incessantly and thinks he's hot shit um like i can't explain the plot all that well like it's basically it's it's a story of a fictionalized version of him who starts out as like a carny magician and becomes like a world-renowned psychic and becomes like a a millionaire um and it's just it's sort of about his life and the people around him, but like, it's not important. The plot, it, it's the viewing experience is what's important and just how delusional this guy is thinking that he was making a good movie. Cause he obviously thinks he's making a good movie and to credit to that is that uh, he actually hired good people to make it look good. Like it, it looks really p- pretty in places. There's obvious money behind it. But everything else across the board is terrible. The acting is terrible. The editing is terrible. Uh, there's all these time jumps and jarring transitions that make no sense. Um, all the interesting plot stuff that you would expect to see in a movie like this happens off screen and is talked about by characters, which is just confounding. Um, and there's all this voice over narration from our main character too, like explaining the plot. But for, for some reason, even though this should be like boring as hell and like a real chore to sit through, I was fucking just transfixed by it. I was like, <laughs> what in the fuck is this? It's it, it, it is truly so bad that it's good just because it's such an interesting look into the like ego of some <clears throat> weird fucker who thought he was making something great. And it's, it's both terrible and great at the same time. All right. So mm. my number one. I figured you would think that it would be promising a woman because I had such. I was 
I knew it was going to be high up. I thought you were going to think that was the first one. Anyways, um, my number one is actually Turbo Kid. Ooh. 2015. Uh, another Dateline movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what can I say about it? Like, oh, my God. How fun is this fucking movie? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the story, the background, the plot, the action, the 80s feel, the fact that it's the future, but they got stuck in the 80s. Like, <laughs> the body of the robot, which just changes. Like, it's... <laughs> uh, everything about it. Okay, we need to do an actual podcast about this because I really want to go into more depth about it, and I would love to rewatch it to kind of like review it again because we watched it pretty early on in the year. Yeah. So, um, that's three movies we have to do, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine because uh, we can do this. It's been a while. I've been so busy with school that I haven't been on the podcast in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is this is like. This is the episode that we really need to do. This is if we're going to do anything, I think we need to do this for the podcast because this is like perfect, feel good, like the type of movies we do. It's such a fucking beautiful film. I love it. Oh, Just love it. Everything, everything. Mm. Like it's one of those movies that captures you from beginning to end. I think the camera works amazing. The sounds awesome. The music's awesome. The visual, like the the costumes, um, the locations, all that stuff. It's so fucking good. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's there's so many there's so many movies that like they bank on like 80s nostalgia and shit and like they're very pretentious about it. Like there is no pretense about this at all. It's just it just, it's just feels like they got stuck in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And like the love story is so sweet and the performances are so sweet and it's like not afraid to admit like this is a movie that straight straight up makes me cry so <laughs> I, love, so I love it good. Yeah, it's good stuff it's so good and I, I i totally agree because a lot of times when they try to use that 80s theme or the 90s theme it's very like in your face well this felt very natural like it actually mm-hmm. did feel like they were stuck like the everything ended in 1980 and 1980s so everything they have that they've built from with the civilization, the post-apocalyptic civilization, with starting with eighty stuff, mm-hmm. and I think that is so fucking—it's so fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, well, they—the they, the good thing is, like I said, they didn't go overboard with it. Like everything looks eighties, but it's like the only real recognizable eighties things that we would recognize necessarily as like really culturally important things from the eighties is like pretty much the Viewmaster. that's about it the, <laughs> the, the like the bmx bike and the Viewmaster kind of thing that that's it and they don't they don't bash you over the head with it or anything like that everything else is like yeah this is a road warrior movie except they're using stuff from the 1980s to it's costumes and shit and mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's it's fucking great it's yeah. one of my favorite films of all time Love we it. watched this pretty early on in the year mm-hmm it was one of the, my first, one of my almost one of my first watches of the year, and it has remained my first all through the year. Wow! I have watched so many movies because even when I was making this list, that was the first one I remembered. Um, again, like "Promising Young Woman" was insanely close to me, and like really beyond any of my expectations. And this one still like just inches its way by. Sweet, sweet. Uh, my number one. 
This is uh, another one by John Waters that we watched this year. Uh, Female Trouble from 1974. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I loved it so much. Uh, it's just this like plays like this mishmash of public education films and like full on 1950s, 60s exploitation films about bad girl gangs and shit like that and delinquent youth. And um, but there's no nods to censorship or good taste that you would get out of like one of those mo- authentic movies from back then. And then they go and push things even f- further. And then they make fucking divine a spree killer. And uh, they get all this twisted fame that they incur. And it's about, you know, how the media reacts to them. And uh, there's like so much actually going on in this otherwise like really trashy movie. And then you have like divine and mink stole just, acted up a fucking storm stealing every scene they're in um and it's just it's like equally horrific and comedic at the same time and it's incredibly unpredictable as well like i, I didn't know anywhere where it was going while we were watching it uh that's like any john Waters movie mm-hmm. but uh yeah no i just thoroughly entertaining and uh, i couldn't help but put it at my number one so there we go. Uh, Want to take a quick little break before we get into our bottom 10? <laughs> yeah, I want to okay. go drink quick too. Yeah, so. <laughs> All right. All right. Top 10 bad. Top 10 bad. Top 10 bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Uh, I'll let you go first, and uh, you can give me uh, your number ten. Number ten, okay. I <laughs> I'm laughing at this one because I was making my list, and I was kind of going through the podcast because, like, it's kind of handy because we've mm-hmm. mentioned like the movies that we've watched, so I could go over the ones where I'm like, I really hated this. So <laughs> this movie popped up when when we were watching it, and I didn't think I hated it that much, but when I like think about it. I guess I, I absolutely hated the ending, which ruined the movie for me. Mm-hmm. So the first one is Haunt 2019. Okay, yeah. Um, I had such a passion uh, for hate with the ending. Mm-hmm. I went on such a rampage of anger of how much I hated how uh, the girl at the end could have like saved herself so much fucking turmoil. Had she just fucking killed the guy or maimed him a lot worse or something, like taken the mm-hmm. gun away, but she didn't. And <laughs> that is literally it. That passion I had for the ending was like, no, that's got to make it on the top 10. Because how is that rant? Like, that was a beautiful rant. I like listened to it. I'm like, that is a beautiful rant. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, when you compare it to something else like um, Hell Health LLC, which is like, does that sort of same thing, but brilliantly. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like there's they just fall so short. It's they started off strong. Like mm-hmm. I thought they started off real strong. They had this really cool concept where something goes wrong and you think like nothing of it. Um, and they have the one review for the haunted house. So I found okay, this has got potential. Like this is gonna come be something. But then the 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 fact that they had no real description of the characters, like they're mm-hmm no real story behind them kind of made me lose like okay why are they doing this then like what's the point of this yeah um and then as you kept going on it just started getting more ridiculous and then at the end that end like no 
Like, really? You have the chance. Just murdered everybody you fucking love, all your fucking friends, and you're going to hit them once, and then you're going to be like, oh, I got to go find somebody and save them. No, take the fucking shotgun, shoot their fucking head off. If you don't believe in killing, take the fucking shotgun with you. <laughs> yeah, at least, or at least shoot them in the knee or something so they can't get but- to you. Even just take the fucking shotgun with you. Like, I don't care if you're not, if you're literally like a non-violent person, take the fucking shotgun with you so it can't use it against you. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, at least then I would be like, okay, at least they brought protection. At least maybe she thought. Anyways, either or, again, like, if you're in the situation and someone's going to murder you, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm just going to hit you once against the head and then I'm going to run away. No! <laughs> their fucking brains in and if you're not a violent person exactly or i mean not gonna kill a person exactly shoot the goddamn kneecap did, let's see him I, walk then i think i think it didn't help as well that when we watched it we were like booze fe- booze filled tired and it was playing during one of those fucking joe bob briggs halloween things on shutter it was on, it was on shutter yeah i just yeah. i should have just watched the movie by itself like that's what i said i remember mentioning that before but uh as soon as i like reviewed my feelings for the end i was like there's no way a movie like that cannot make it onto the top 10 worst because that is literally like my biggest pet peeve my anger my like faux pas of horror movies so <laughs> uh so just full disclosure, by the way, I'm basically just going to be read for this list. I'm just going to be reading verbatim the review I put on letterbox for it. <laughs> okay. So uh, my number 10 is alligator Two: the mutation from 1991. And I write uh, yikes, more remake and a bad one. There uses several shots of the gator from the first film. Pretty much everything that made the first one great is missing here. And the gator changes sizes from scene to scene. You can tell this was put together on a cheap on the cheap in an attempt to cash in on the original's name and the direct video VHS boom. <laughs> Alligator 2, the mutation, ultimately lacks a sense of humor and fun the original head, and it's a slog to get through because it's both mostly boring and plays everything much more straight. The cheaper looking gator here doesn't help matters much either. And yeah, it's it's just it's like if you're gonna have a movie about a giant crocodile eating people, at least make it entertaining, and they can't even do that. And it's just like, ugh. I feel I remember didn't you enjoy the first alligator? Oh, I love the first alligator. That's a okay, classic. Yeah. I remember and... listening to that podcast. This was like pre me being on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Actually. Yeah, so, it was a little, a little bit before your time. Yeah, I was I would listen to it before I was on it. Actually, we're just uh, a little over a year because I think my first episode was in December because mm. my second episode was the one that was never recorded. <gasps> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, uh, number nine, uh, The Craft Legacy, 2020. Um, uh, I don't even know how to start. Um, fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm obsessed with The Craft. Uh, it was in the 90s, and it was kind of during that uh, – It's I believe it kind of started that witch era, like that rich fame too. Because mm-hmm. you had like uh, The Craft, and you had the one that um, Sandra Bullock oh. was in. Uh, practical magic yeah practical magic and then um, you had charm that came out a few years later mm-hmm. what, what was uh, that rip off of, of the craft though uh, little witches wasn't it yeah yeah. yeah, but it was all during the time when witches were a thing. Like it was mm-hmm. witches were a, a popularity thing um, like Blair Witch came out in that time too yeah um, just that kind of haunted like cursed shit um so yeah the craft is something that i was like 
constantly watching as a kid. I wanted to be a witch. I thought I was a witch. Like, all that stuff. Um, then this comes out. And I don't even know what to say. Like, it's trying to be progressive. There's, like, a scene where they're trying to make it seem like men don't like women. I don't know. It was really forced. Everything was forced. I really hate the mm. fact that the girl cast... Because remember when um, the original cast, uh, the one girl cast a love spell on her crush, and he yeah. went fucking crazy. Okay, well, this other girl casts a spell on him. I forget what it is, but it changes him, and he turns into this amazing, understanding boyfriend who has, like, a massive heart. Like... <laughs> like the whole point of like casting a spell on somebody is trying to change who they are and it can cause them insane amount of turmoil because they're not mm. that's not who they are and as much as like it could be hidden inside them you're still changing them by force like yeah. there's no um they're not learning anything they're not actually becoming better people no there's no uh, uh like kind of ease into it to try and help them it's like all of a sudden there's a magic spell on them that changes their mind like anyways um there's that there's like parts of the story that are there and they just all of a sudden disappear like they're just mended magically i don't know mm. i uh honestly hated it i thought it was stupid i thought it was entirely an insult to the original craft um there was nothing like i'm a, a progressive person and i thought this was like a kind of insult to all of it because they tried too hard to be progressive like it's just it's a fucking joke Okay, yeah. Um, my number nine is Death Valley from 2021. Uh, my review is as follows. Why is this called Death Valley? Uh, basically because there is there is no valley that they're in, as far as I can tell in the movie. Um, That's his I, anger. There's mm, no valley. <laughs> I'm, yeah, this movie sucks. Taking me right out of it. Um, I must admit that this 8,000 generation clone of aliens holds little that's new or interesting. And I often just looked away to do something else. So I never found out if they actually did. Uh, the monster special effects are great, but really this whole, whole film plays like a video on one of those YouTube channels where someone cuts together video game cutscenes. And this time out, it was from a more recent resident evil game. If that interests you well, it's on shutter. And like, it, it's totally like, it feels like the plot for a resident evil game. Cause it's like this mercenary crew, uh, goes into this like, uh, Russian secret lab thing. And, uh, there's monsters down there and shit. And the, the main guy even looks like the main guy from the fucking resident evil games, like Leon or whatever the fuck his name is. So it's just like someone, got enough money to make a movie and they really, really like resident evil, but they just couldn't make a resident evil movie officially, I guess. <laughs> and it's not in a value. <laughs> no, not that I could tell anyway. <laughs> Fuck the name. That's <laughs> they Change the name of your movie. I mean, it's in a facility. It's in a, it's in a, it's in a like facility underneath a mountain. So why not just call it Death Mountain or Death, death facility? facility? Yeah, that's what that's what they should have called it. Okay, uh, my number eight, uh, beautiful night two thousand. Oh yeah, the Mini Driver. Um. <laughs> okay, I have a lot of anger towards this movie. So, um. 
the whole concept of the movie would have been really cute because the whole thing is like this girl whose uh, parents don't care for her uh, gets pregnant at a young age, can't be a beauty queen because if she's pregnant or has a mother, she can't be uh, all sorts of stuff. Like um, then she ends up winning the beauty pageant, even though she's a mother, they're like, Oh no, we need to change this rule. Kind of a beautiful story. When you really think about it, uh, that concept, but the way mm-hmm. they portrayed it, Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> like, holy fuck. Like, first of all, um, it starts off cute. It starts off with lots of potential. Mm-hmm. You see the whole, uh, disapproval from the parents and you see the girl works her ass off and she's a negotiator and she's very smart when it comes to negotiating. And she makes a friend with a girl who's like a loser of the school, but she's really insanely talented when it comes to sewing. Um, and then when she gets pregnant, uh, that's kind of when it like turns around because she turns out to be like the aunt and she's literally the shittiest person to this child. Mm. And then when the the mother gets arrested because of, I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched it. <laughs> Anyways, the mother gets arrested. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, the, she works at a nursing home. So she's, um, a care worker. Um, I can't remember the name for them. Uh, PSW, personal service work, personal, yeah, PSW. Mm-hmm. Um, and this lady was holding, hiding her pills so that she could kill herself because she wanted to die. So she overdosed and then they blamed her for it. Um, so she went to jail and they were like looking into it. Um, and at the same time, the, this, the actual mother mini driver had to go to a pageant, so she had to become a mother, and she had to take care of the kid, and she was literally the shittiest mother ever. And realistically, when it came to pageants when she was younger, she was literally the shittiest person to all the other pageant contestants. Mm-hmm. And it's just this person who's been shitty her whole fucking life just gets rewarded because she's a mother Ugh. who is now winning a pageant. Like, it was just gross. It was stupid. I think there was such a beautiful message that could have been told when it comes to, like, the whole beauty pageant and, like, being a mother and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't told. It was not. It was shadowed by the fact that it was just this terrible storyline. Like, like they didn't even talk about the fucking uh, girl, this best friend, who took care of the child, who is now arrested. At the end of the movie, you don't never figure out what happens to her. Like, they just Ugh. kind of ended that. Um, it was just stupid. It was just so much potential just gone. Like, I actually, I do really like Minnie Driver, and I didn't care for her in this. Yeah. Um, my number eight is great white from 2021. And I wrote starts out great. And then we get, then we get the terrible CGI and sharks roaring. And then I want to beat the filmmaker soundly with a sock full of bars of soap until they tell me why they thought the spiral downwards was acceptable. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. It's, it's literally this, the end <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally has like a cool premise and everything. And then it's, it just focuses on the wrong characters and, like I said, CGI sharks that make roaring sounds that sharks can't do. <laughs> um, it's fine if you want to do it in Jaws for the Revenge, but you can't do it in this movie and get away with it when they try to play it so straight for like the first half Hold of the on. movie. Say that movie title again, but do it better. Jaws for the revenge. Thank you. You like tried to do it and didn't do it. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of whiffed on it a little bit. It's okay. I gave you the opportunity to do it again. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so my number seven is uh, Fly Me, 1973. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of beautiful women, but mm-hmm. so, this storyline is so confusing. <laughs> that location is so confusing. You just get so turned around and lost, and you're like, wait, what? Wait, what's happening now? Wait, why didn't this go? <laughs> like, it's just uh, a movie where they're like, let's just throw a lot of hot women in, and um, we'll deal with the storyline after. <laughs> Yeah, how how did how did this how did this cute sex comedy thing suddenly turn into like a story about like drug dealers and uh, fucking cops and stuff involved and all this other shit? Like, what? What's going on? What's happening? What? Where are you now? Why? Anyways, it was an insanely confusing movie, and the only saving factor was that there was beautiful women. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. It's kind of what put it over the top for me for not being on the worst of list, but you know, <laughs> I didn't have as many worst of. I did. I guess I. Yeah, I yeah, the, a lot, but. yeah. It sounds like maybe you were struggling for a few of them because it's, it's like you know, Fly Me is really confusing and it's cheap, but it's got a lot of attractive women in it. That, that's at least- okay, but that's not a good movie, <laughs> and it doesn't make a good storyline. It was a bad movie. It was bad. I did not like it. I did not like <laughs> okay, it. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I literally explained to you I did not like it. Just because there's a gorgeous woman doesn't mean that it's a good movie. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, my number seven, uh, The Law in Her Hands from 1936. And uh, I write here a promising first half about plucky female lawyers getting involved with a Bob boss. Uh, it's not until it drops the ball by putting a woman in her place, quote unquote, and letting her know she can't really handle being a lawyer despite her years of hard work that the film be- becomes a bummer. Yeah, I know it's outdated 1930 sexism and the sign of the times, but it takes an otherwise interesting premise right off the tracks. Beating the sexism early on and focusing on the moral gray area of being hired by a mob boss is where this film needed to go. Uh, and also Glenda Farrell getting re- relegated to the background by the second half of the film is also a major bummer. I agree. And, uh, yeah. And we watched that one, uh, did that with Daniel back when he was still regularly on the podcast and uh, with dance, Charlie dance. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, this was the not good film of of those two that we were we were doing that that time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's literally like something I enjoyed and something I hated. Like it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Shadows. Twilight was 2012. Let's oh yeah. Up. Yep. Um, there's some really funny jokes, like some one-liners in there that are fucking hilarious, and I did enjoy that. But uh, overall, this was like a snooze fest. It was, it was boring. It is boring, isn't I, it? This kind of sucks. I didn't, uh, I didn't enjoy the storyline. I didn't care. For, I didn't think the acting, like the acting, wasn't that bad. But I think the story was boring because there's a few actors in there that I really enjoy. Um, just any in general, I enjoy, and I don't know. I don't know if it tried too hard. I don't know if it's because it was like, oh, hey, we have Johnny Depp in a Tim Burton movie, so mm. guaranteed. Like, it just didn't try hard enough. Like, it just, I meh, meh, hard meh. Yeah, it, it felt like it felt like autopilot to me when I remember yeah. watching it back in the day. Yeah, not that I was a big fan of the Dark Shadows soap opera or whatever from like the seventies or whatever the fuck it was. But, but yeah. um, my number six. Uh, Stay Out of the Attic from 2021. 
and I write, I honestly don't remember anyone going into the attic, but bad things still happen to them. <laughs> this, this tries to be a Nazi exploitation version of the people under the stairs where Derek Vineyard from American History X walks his ex-Nazi ass into a horror film. And it's just a tone deaf mess with some okay gore and mostly weak performances. And yeah, that's, <laughs> hey, that's a good description. Mm-hmm. I just <laughs> no one goes in the attic, but I still have to stay out of the attic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, my number five, top five, uh, sorority babes in the slime ball bullorama, nineteen eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I have to say is not enough boobs to yep. save it not enough sex and really when they say sorority babes eh, like you know how we do like our rating for our beers like the we do personal and like we do um uh you you go style and then you go your personal preference yeah style i is literally like i had an expectation of an 80s movie that had sorority babes in the title to have lots of sex unnecessary sex and lots of unnecessary boobies so for style, I give this a zero because there's, <laughs> there's literally like the most disappointing title. And then the the movie was fucking stupid. Like, yeah, it gets really boring. Too, it right? was good. Like yeah. the, the movie was fucking boring. The storyline was fucking lame. The lack of sex was so disappointing. Like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. There should have been, yeah. I mean, you, you you don't even need to turn it to a softcore film or whatever, but it's like there should have been at least some sort of like a goddamn shower scene, sh- a yeah. proper shower scene, not two of them that got very all of a sudden, like an actual proper, like all the sorority girls are like, ah, we're showering. Mm-hmm. I that's that's the '90s horror film. That's a '90s early '90s horror film. Like that's that's it. That's the expectation. If you have sorority babes in your fucking title, that's what we expect. Or a fucking pillow fight. Mm-hmm. We should watch um, uh, Slumber Party Massacre, though. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That has a nice proper shower scene at the beginning, and good. Yeah, that that's that's much better choice. Yeah, that, it, that this is such a tame movie, especially given the title, and it's like, yeah, they front load it with a little bit of booby and some light paddle spanking. Like, uh, pretty weak sauce oh. battle spanking actually and like i get spanked harder than that like what the fuck was that mm-hmm. that was nothing that was literally like eh, eh. like no there was not even like uh, i'm not saying you have to get beaten on set but like literally <laughs> you're gonna like play with the fantasy play with it properly like don't yeah it, i would just... rather i would rather the, not use a panel or just use your hand because mm-hmm. that would have been like hotter hand and bare ass not the uh the panties behind been hot on the paddle because the paddle unless it's like it was just so weakly done and Mm -hmm. i get like they have to be careful because they don't want to hurt the girl because like you don't want to abuse somebody on set i totally get that Mm -hmm. but it just it's i don't know it took away from the fantasy it looked like she struggled with it like it just meh meh (laughs) like these are Uh, supposed to be boner movies mm -hmm. Uh, my number five, The Dead Pit from 1989. All right, there's some decent effects work, and Charles Lawson looks fine in a dream sequence wet t-shirt moment that quickly goes bad. But otherwise, this is really a slog to sit through. Like a lot of a lot from this era, the box cover art is the best thing about the whole deal. <laughs> yeah, 
and it's just it's just this overly boring film set in like a uh hospital and there's like a dead doctors come back to life or some shit and it's just incredibly boring and stupid for the most part it was like ugh. my number four so um occasionally i get into my girly moods and i like to watch romantic comedies Mm-hmm. But and the thing is, with romantic comedies, a lot of them I really fucking hate. <laughs> that's just the truth. <laughs> but then sometimes I find gems, like some like it's hot. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, then I find pieces of garbage like Bride and Prejudiced, 2004. <laughs> it, uh, I loved... Okay, one thing I have to say, when I first started watching it, I had this very positive, because it's like that kind of Bollywood movie. Mm-hmm. So I loved the visual. I loved the costumes. I loved the representation of you seeing like the Indian culture because they have all of it. They have the the costumes. They have the celebrations. They, you see all like the foods displayed. I mentioned food again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, um, they have all that, and I think I love that. I love that. I love when they do that because it's cultural representation. I fucking love when they do that. So I'm nothing against that. I'm just saying that right now. The fucking storyline is what gets me. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just so fucking sex it's just oh it's so like (laughs) girl in her early 20s you're not married yet you have to be married oh go oh you happen to meet this like stupidly rich man cool you're beautiful cool that's your story you're you're gonna get married to the stupidly rich man even Mm -hmm. though you barely know each other you're just in love like it's just I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it and there's so much bullshit in the movie they're like, you can even see like there's like so much fucking control and manipulation that goes on in these movies too, where you can see that the actual love is not genuine, and mm-hmm. it's unhealthy relationships being started, and it's oh, and it's supposed to be seen as like romantic and beautiful, fuck that shit it is not romantic, it's not beautiful it's literally just like mind manipulation of saying, just settle for some guy because he has a lot of money, so basically you're going to become this woman who, even though you're insanely strong and independent, you're going to become whatever he wants you to be because he's rich and hot, hot and he just bought your love. Even yeah. though you're like, oh, well, I don't love you because of blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, he just fucking manipulated you because you knew exactly what you wanted. He's nothing you wanted. He convinced you because he has all this money that he could be this person you wanted. And guess what's going to happen? He's going to be the same fucking person later on God and damn down the goddamn road because he just yeah. bought you with everything you actually wanted like go fuck <laughs> the whole movie's stupid it feels like you know bollywood or not but about 90 percent of that that genre kind of does that same thing to some degree right oh. you know like oh i don't believe in money but you just bought my mom first class tickets oh you just found a way to solve my parents this oh you figured this shit out yeah, because he had money. You're literally falling in love with him because he has money. You said, oh, the money got nothing to me. Oh, go fuck yourself. Anyway, sorry. I hate these movies. <laughs> uh, my number four is Jiu-Jitsu from 2020. Am I right? It feels like the Asylum's take on the new Mortal Kombat film, but a year early and with a lot more sci-fi stuff. And none of it really makes sense or works. Nick Cage is just taking a payday here. I'd be surprised to learn... Uh, Tony Jaw, remember when he was cool, was even allowed to eat at craft services. There's some okay fights, and sometimes it feels like a real movie, but you got to dig for it. Might be good for a laugh, but I was not in the mood. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just terrible across the board. 
What movie? Jujitsu from 2020. Jiu-jitsu. And and there's no like jujitsu in it. it. It's just called jujitsu for some fucking reason. I should have called it bad fight scene. <laughs> or maybe maybe poo jitsu. Poo jitsu. Um, <laughs> I always laugh at those movies have titles that make no sense in the movie. Uh, all right. So this is literally just going to be an echo, but from Prada to Nada. Same fucking story. Mm. It's just stupid. The whole movie's stupid. It's stupid. I hate it. It's stupid. It's these girls that are, again, this girl who's supposed to be strong and independent. She's like in her 20s and she's like, oh, I don't believe in finding love. I don't believe whatever. Like early fucking 20s and then falls in love. Like, yes, I believe that you are a strong, independent woman who doesn't need a man, who hasn't lived on her own, who hasn't made self discovery, who marries a rich guy. Oh, okay, yeah, you're strong and fuck off. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> you just see it. You And again, you see the whole, like, I don't need money. But then, like, everything you do is with the money. So they're manipulating them. They're grooming them to, like, mm-hmm. fall in love with them. Because they're basically making them fall for the fact that they can give them everything they need financially. There's no actual fucking emotional connection. It's just, uh, let me buy you the things you want to solve instead of you figuring out. Mm. Like, great. That's awesome. That's awesome that someone can do that. But you don't have to fucking date them. Yeah. That's the whole like, oh, I bought you dinner and you owe me sex. Like, fuck these movies. <laughs> I'm so bitter. <laughs> anyways. It's fine. Um, I just see I see it. I see it all the time. I just see this bullshit of like, oh, I just gonna I'm gonna find a man who solves my problems with my financial and blah 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 and I'm just gonna lose my way of my independence because I married a Mitch guy and I basically become like his fucking trophy wife where he basically lets me do what he wants me to do and lets me become what he wants me to become and I have no sense of meeting me anymore yeah. yay yeah then you end up a trophy wife of Donald Trump basically or some shit mm-hmm. like that um, number three for me Pacific Banana from 1981 and uh, Australia decided to rip off the British Confessions series a few years too late and gave us an absolute dud of a film set around airplane pilots getting it on with everything that moves. Uh, it feels like you can't miss, but I remember—I can't remember the last time I've been this bored by such an abundance of attractive bare female flesh. I would have probably just been uh, as bored when I was 13, honestly. Our hero can't maintain an erection because he keeps sneezing just as he's about to get it on. Cue the sub Benny Hill hijinks and bad visual sex jokes. But never fear. All it takes is the love of an apparent underage girl to cure him of his problem. Oh, no. and, and then I write, watch the bloody thing and tell me that's not what this the story the, f- the film tells you. I dare you. Yeah, he uh, finds his true love with a girl that's uh, no. skirting underage. No. Let's say that. No, not watching it. No, No, I would not recommend That's why it's on the bottom list. Don't watch it. No, no, I don't know. I'm going to dare me at anything. Oh, my goodness. That's going to end up on my bottom list, and I'm going to fucking vent about it. (laughs) It's bad. It's very, (laughs) very bad. My number two. Um, (laughs) So, this is a movie where I bought a T-shirt. In anticipation of the fact that I had to watch the movie because I was so fucking excited to watch this movie because there's so many fucking good things about it and I was so stoked to finally sit down and actually experience this movie and it was garbage. 
And that movie is The Exorcist from 1973. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Talk about the most, like, uh, what's a good way to explain it? Um, you know what? Uh, okay, I think the best way to explain it is, like, you literally prepare yourself for the most amazing orgasm ever. And you realize that it is not nearly as good as you thought it was going to be. Like it is the most disappointing orgasm that you have. Like it's just that. Yeah. Like it's either you're, you prep yourself and you're like, Oh my God, like I'm so ready for this. Like I want this orgasm so bad. And then you get to the orgasm and it's like, Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Like seriously, most disappointing thing I think I've ever I've ever oh god like such that a was, such a fucking letdown isn't it it's like the most uh, scariest movie ever made and it's like it's no. like on the top one it's on multiple top one hundred movies as being one of the most scariest movies of all time still it's, to this day and it's such and a I, re- regressive like uh, push back against like science and intellectualism and in favor of like dogmatic hoodoo bullshit and old Catholic stupidity and yeah i know they're talking about how like there's this fear of women or girls getting onto their period so it's kind of like that comparison of that girl going from that sweet pre pubescent to hitting puberty and that i thought was kind of that made sense to me with how it was portrayed i actually agreed with that definition but they explained why that's it's scary and i thought that's why it was stupid because i thought it was fucking disgusting um so, beginning, uh, I thought I was, again, anticipating it was going to be a really good movie. So, I was enjoying the buildup between the relationship of the mother and the daughter. If they're mm-hmm. trying to make this, and every time I read the thing, they're like, oh, this disconnected relationship, this mother's always busy. I'm like, this mother was always busy, paid a lot of attention to her daughter, and they had a very good relationship. So, yeah. I don't understand why people say that. Like, I don't. I don't think there was anything wrong with the relationship. I thought the relationship was rather beautiful. So, I thought that her pain of seeing her daughter go through this was actually valid. And that was the only good acting in the fucking movie. Yeah. Well, Linda Blair is horrible in it. Like she's like her physical acting, I guess when she's possessed is decent. That was somebody different. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. Well, yeah, it's I, not even her voice. Right. But I discovered that it's someone entirely different when she's possessed. Oh, okay. Well, fuck this movie then even more. Yeah, because I don't think she was doing the whole. Well, well I, don't I don't think she was. Different. I don't think she was on the bed though. Oh, okay. I don't remember that, but her voice, which was the acting, yeah, was not her. Yeah, but I can't remember. I think I think I read somewhere. I could be wrong. I'm gonna Google this now because <laughs> now it, I'm gonna question myself. But the movie's just like it has a promising start, like the the, the cool shit with Father Marin in the Middle East, and it's kind of spooky and interesting. And I I do really like the stuff with um, uh, Damien Karras and uh, like the guilt he has over his dead mother and stuff like that. And he's like seeing like her, his dead mother in the streets and stuff like that. Stuff's generally spooky. And then the rest of it is just so regressive and so just biting back at progress and mental health and uh, women's rights. And it's just kind of gross. It's kind of a gross movie that sends the wrong message. And it was definitely like designed to like speak to 
Catholics and especially Catholics that might be like, you know, straying a little bit. It's, it's just, I don't even know how, like, it's just such a fucking stupid movie. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's insulting to scientists or psychologists and doctors because she's transformed entirely. Her face is entirely like, okay, even if let's, let's just hypothetically, just hypothetically say a doctor said it was some sort of mental health problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. When there's a physical fucking change, a doctor will know it's no longer mental health. Like their face literally breaks out and boils. They're not going to say, oh, it's just mental health. No, they're going to do a bunch of fucking testing to figure out why the fuck her skin is changing. Why the fuck her voice is changing. Why the fuck her body can all of a sudden like convulse and turn her head around. Like, mm -hmm. Just take away the supernatural part. Just the physicality. They're not going to be, oh, it's a mental health problem. Oh, it's yeah. her, psychosis. It's psychosis. The way I did, like, you can't just rate everything in psychosis because they're not a normal fucking behavior. Like, I don't even understand what the fuck they thought when they were writing that. Like, fuck you. Um, and then uh, you get into it where the bed starts levitating and shaking. Like, in the hospital, the bed starts shaking. Fucking mm -hmm. control. Oh, so, you know, psychosis. <laughs> yeah. It's... Like, it's bad. I know you cannot see my arms in the camera and you only can hear me moving around, but I want to know that anybody who listens to this, my arms are fucking flailing because of my anger <laughs> of the stupidity. Like, I might, I might, uh, I might, I might come back to the video and capture a gif of that and, uh, and, put, it in the, and put it in the group. <laughs> Just. Oh, like, what is that? And then the bed, when they're like, oh, well, we're just going to get you a doctor. Or we should get you a psychiatrist. Her face is completely changed. Her voice is completely changed. If that was even, like, let's just say a mental health problem, they would need an actual doctor because there's physical, like, a, a physical doctor. Not an actual doctor. I shouldn't say that. Mm. But, like, uh, a medical doctor. Because their physical appearance is changing, which means there's something wrong. There's an actual condition that's deteriorating her skin, which needs medical attention. Mm -hmm. Not a psychiatrist to be like, oh, you know, it's psychosis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just don't even understand. I just don't even understand. I just, I remember we watching it. We were watching it because we had to watch it for my class. And I, I laughed through most of it. Because I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Mm -hmm. Where does this make sense? <sighs> like, you, okay. I get, I'm a psych student. I get the basics of psychology. Cool. I'm still not a fucking idiot that I know psychosis doesn't cause that shit. You never said it's psychology. You understand psychosis does not do that shit. Like, mm -hmm. you don't need a medical degree to understand that this is all bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just... <gasps> That movie blew my mind of how bad it was. And I, yeah. I, I just Googled it. I couldn't I remember reading somewhere there was a different actress, but it could be just the voice. So pretty sure it is the voice at the very I, least. Yeah. I literally just searched the thing and I saw like it's all eights and above for every single fucking website. Are you oh. guys stupid? Like I want somebody out there who's seen this movie and loves it to just counter me and try to explain to me why. Oh no, never mind. Never mind. I wrote in my exam why I thought it was good. I shouldn't say that. 
I just realized, like, there's a whole religious aspect to it, and there are people who are religious, so I should be... But fuck you and trying to make it seem like doctors don't understand the difference between, like, possession and psychosis. Mm. Like, there's obviously... I don't believe in the supernatural, but if I'm in the field and I start seeing someone levitating, you know, sure as fuck, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's psychosis. Yeah. Uh, moving on. My number Sorry. two... <laughs> It's, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's what this show's for. Get, get it all fucking in. Um, my number two is Shadow in the Cloud from 2020. And I wrote for this. Uh, Never have I seen such a promising horror film decide to shoot itself in the head halfway through with a twist so fucking stupid and pretentious as what we end up with here. When it just turns into a full-blown asylum film full of stupid action bullshit and even more dumb twists and turns. The horror is undermined uh, for goofy creature antics. The feminism angle is undermined for what feels like a parody of the tough uh, female action hero. All credibility is undermined completely. Fuck everyone involved in this insulting piece of shit. <laughs> it's like it, it starts out so good. It's like this this woman sort of cons her way into a World War II era bomber and she's got like a secret mission and it's like all this like, oh, what's going on? What, what's this all about? And then she gets stuck in the uh, bottom gun pod for the for the bomber and the, the asshole male crew don't let her out of it and shit. And then she starts seeing weird things in the clouds and like seems like something weird's happening to the to the plane. And then it just takes a fucking turn where it's just like, ah, that was so cool and all, but let's throw those ideas out the fucking window and just Aww. go for something totally stupid. And it's like, okay, fuck this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, like, as we're getting higher on our top 10 list, I could see, I could see there's actual like thought process because I'm getting angrier and angrier as I'm. <laughs> things but it's kind of cool because the same thing's happening to you where it's getting more like what the fuck mm -hmm. <laughs> i kind of love it anyways number one number one worst first watch of 2021 i know you're not surprised on this one i was excited to watch this one when i saw the title um hoping it was some sort of like female empowerment movie but i was totally slapped in the face the Law in Her Hands, 1936. Mm -hmm. The biggest fucking insult to women. The most sexist fucking thing that could ever been produced. I understand it's of its time, but there's movies of its time where they still had women who were strong. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it had to be over the top, anything like that that is today. But with the way they had it, they literally created a propaganda film saying women should not work. Women yep. should not go in male-dominated fields. Women should just stick to doing housewife work. That is literally the message you got from this movie. I do not care if it's from 1936. Literally, movies are supposed to be out fantasy, but all that stuff. And the fact that they took two women and were just like, this is kind of like a Stepford's Wives shit, too. Like, mm -hmm. It's almost like a, a comedic version of Stepford's Wives. It's literally taking a woman, two women who have goals, and being like, you're strong females. Ha, that's funny. Yeah. Let's domesticate you. Yeah, but what's the what's the, the the real problem is is the 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 reason you've wasted years of your life studying to be a lawyer is because you're unfulfilled because you don't have a man. Yeah, 
Yeah. It is a st- and I guarantee I guarantee you there's women back then who started watching it thinking it was gonna be something like that. They're powerful to them. And when they saw it, it was just a crush to them where they're oh. like, Oh, I guess I shouldn't try and follow my dreams. Like it, it like women movies and everything, even like uh, I don't even understand. Like we've seen so many movies where there's just this fictitious world about it and this was literally the most realistic thing that could have fucking happened <laughs> like <laughs> like this is literally how women were treated this is literally like verbatim exactly what happens in the real fucking world why do a movie about it like why emphasize the fact that women had no fucking chance and emphasized yeah. it and everything like uh, uh, <laughs> 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 like i know we did this movie and i went I, if, okay, here we go. Anybody who has not seen the episode of Dance Charlie Jance and The Law in Her Hands has to watch it because my reaction is even more intense than this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It is still... It is, oh, I remember I texting you as soon as I watched that movie. I remember texting you and be like, what the fuck did you make me watch? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm I'm absolutely a feminist, so this was like literally an anti-feminist movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty fucking bad. It's pretty I odious. You wanted to punish me. I get it. I um, didn't know what happened in it either. <laughs> Come on now. I know it's on your top ten worst too. So yeah, exactly. But it should be your first. <laughs> Oh, okay. I get it. I'm not feminist enough. Um, <laughs> my number one is Night of the Animated Dead from 2021. And I write, and I actually, I was probably being really, really nice in this review, too. Um, congratulations to the people who made this for making something less needed or wanted than the rotten Night of the Living Dead 30th Anniversary Edition. It's not even designed or animated at a level that would rival most internet flash cartoons from back in the day. A total waste of everyone's time. And it's that was a, a most polite way of saying this fucking sucked. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> it's an absolute piece of fucking shit. I, I don't know why anyone thought this was a good idea. Um, I mean, there's been some really bad like movies made under the Night of the Living Dead banner because, you know, it fell out of copyright. So anyone could make a movie called Night of the Living Dead or they could, you know, find a eighth generation VHS rip of it and sell it on a DVD and make a profit out of it. Um, but here there's like, oh, we're going to make an animated version of Night of the Living Dead and we can put some extra animated gore in it and stuff. And then they make this thing that was it looked like it was made by like a, a mentally deficient 19 year old in 2002 on like their on their shockwave flash or whatever the fuck animation thing. And it it's terrible. It's so fucking terrible in the, the performances. They got some like real talent in the voice performances and their are the voice performers and their performances are just so bland and uninspiring. And the movie, it, it pretty much follows night of the living dead beat for beat yet somehow is a million times worse than night of the living dead and it's just oh hated it i fucking hated it i'm happy that you finally had that same passion i did in the last three movies (laughs) (laughs) four movies i should say (laughs) that level of anger 
<laughs> I just, I kind of, I kind of want bad things to the ha- happen to everyone involved in it. It's just, it's bad. It's funny though, because like a lot of the movies that I rated the top ten worst are rated badly on different sites, but fucking Exorcist still rated high. Mm-hmm. That makes me angry. <laughs> that's all I have to say. That's just that's yeah. one thing that pisses me off. Oh. Well, there we got we got through we it. We did it! Yay! We recorded uh, this, it and everything. Mm-hmm. This is the uh, this is the longest episode we've done on this podcast in quite a while, too. That's, Last uh, year was three hours, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Three and a half but hours. we had three. But we had three people too, so that that made. It we difference. did. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i'm, I'm not sure what we're gonna do next uh maybe, well, tur- maybe turbo kid is... i was gonna say we have a few options yeah i would do. love to do turbo kid um that would be an awesome one to do because i again it was my number one this for this year last year mm-hmm. um but i think it's one that we could really dive deep into because i know we kind of hit the surface and i think there's just a lot more to say about it yeah yeah and i do got to say though like uh as shitty as 2021 was getting to watch a lot more movies with you and getting to watch a lot different stuff that I normally wouldn't think about watching definitely made it one of my best movie watching years at the very least. So, yeah, I was surprised. Uh, just quality. Uh, last year I had a lot of top 10 worst cause I was just watching whatever I could find or not last year. Um, technically what? last year, 2020, 2020, mm-hmm. just the last best of episode um i had so many more worst uh, or worst movies and i struggled to find like best and this year was uh, a struggle to find the top 10 so that was kind of nice um like it was between recommendations from you it was between uh class recommend or yeah movies i had to watch for both my classes mm-hmm. so it's just a quite an entertaining year for movies like i was just very blown away by so many different styles of movies yeah yeah, we we definitely I mean we 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 definitely focused a lot on horror just because of your uh your class but yeah. we did do we did do a lot of different stuff as well. We changed it yeah. up a little bit. So like the yeah. summer was uh just general, just generic ones and then this for fall and winter was uh horror. Mm-hmm. But uh, even like the movies we did a couple of movies that we did for the podcast like the uh was it the woman with the pistol? Um, that one oh, yeah. I would have never watched in general. I thought that was an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just those are the kind of things I would never watch uh, on my own. I would never thought to watch on my own, and so it's been great. Like just being on the podcast in general, and like you making recommendations because I would have never watched Turbo Kid because I never heard of it. So it's just been such a like you said, it's been such a good year for watching movies. Like just exploration like even our top 10 list when you really think about it, i know there's a lot of horror but uh especially since you're a big horror movie fan mm-hmm. but uh, there's such a diverse selection of different kinds of movies like types of movies different categories in all areas so yeah all right so uh we're gonna take off here uh anything you need to plug uh, before we go lee so just so you can know, I'm going to reset it, rephrase that. Um, mm-hmm. To keep you updated on latest episodes and episodes we might be thinking of and episodes that could potentially be in the making, 
And if Lee sends me the picture in order to do so, uh, check out my Instagram at uh, Mighty Tiny Hellstar. And again, great place to look at pictures of right now food, cats, and dogs. Mm-hmm. Cat Ooh. and dog. Period. Or, <laughs> period. Singular, because I only own one cat and one dog. Yeah, and sometimes you appear in, on the Instagram too. You're a good picture to look at. So <laughs> I'm very rare. I take pictures of myself very rarely. Um, but yeah, as long as Lee sends me pictures of the podcasts or whatever, uh, I will post them. So blame him for my lack of updates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you posted so much where I'm like, send me the pictures. And I got, I got the two. I got the one where I did it. I got the one, no, three. I got the one that I did. I got the one that you and Paul did. I got the one you and Dan did. No, I didn't get the one you and Dan did. So I couldn't even post that one. Oh. Oh, I missed that one. Okay. Yeah. Sneakers. That's the one I missed. Yeah. Yeah. And even if like the blood on the track stuff, because it's on there. Anyways, yell at Lee <laughs> to tell him to send me the updates of the pictures so I can post them on my Instagram so you people can be updated. Yeah, if if you wanna if you wanna yell at me about it, uh, go to our Facebook page. Uh, they must be destroyed on site on Facebook and do that. Uh, you want to find all of our stuff though. You, you want to find the links to our Facebook page, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, go to tmbdos.podbean.com and you can find all of our stuff. So uh, until then, um, here's to 2022. Hopefully, it's much better than 2021. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope mm-hmm. you had a wonderful end of year. Yeah, I'm going to end with that. Happy 2022, guys. Yeah, you, you guys can't see the video. She's just rolling her eyes when she's saying that. She doesn't even mean it. Oh, fuck off. I didn't roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even see my eyes? Like, they're so far away from the camera. I'm not blind. Yeah, but I couldn't even see myself. Like, my eyes were squinting while I was thinking. Like, you couldn't even see it. Anyways. Anyway. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, again. Bye-bye. Bye.
glory of the magic of the brilliance of me Triumph, contempt for the usual, contempt for everything else but me Anything that came before me, I told you don't even bother to see it The quintessent best stands before you now on mock And I am the greatest, so triumph Triumph of the glory, triumph of the power of me listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. Drive through.